Hello, welcome back to Meraki Unboxed. My name is Simon Thompson, host of the show. We've got something special for you this time around. We have actually taken a recording we made with a fantastic spokesperson from IDC, Dr. William Lee, who is IDC's researcher for cloud services in the Asia-Pacific region. And we decided that there was so much value in that recording we made that we really wanted to share it with you, our Meraki Unboxed loyal listeners. So please stay tuned for this. I think you're going to find this extremely illuminating. It's really reflecting on where we stand after a whole year of this global pandemic, how the technology is helping us to adapt to this new world, and also, frankly, how we as humans are adapting to this new world as well. So we're going to cover a wealth of very interesting topics that are of relevance, I think, to everybody who works in this field. So please stay tuned, uh, sitting comfortably, grab some popcorn, whatever your favorite beverage is, and take a listen to this. I think you're going to find it really illuminating. So I'm going to hand things over to Nicola Gerber from Meraki, who's going to take us into that conversation. Over to you, Nicola. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Cisco Meraki Fireside Chat with IDC. My name is Nicola Gerber, Managing Director for Meraki, and with me today is Dr. William Lee. Hi, Nicola. Welcome, Dr. Lee. Mm. Or can I call you William? Yeah, call me William. Fantastic. William looks after IDC research for Cloud Services Asia Pacific. Thank you so much, William, for joining us here today. You're welcome. And for agreeing to really share your insights from the most recent IDC reports and the trends that you've been talking about all this time. So I'm really excited to be able to talk about it here today. William will also explain the need for organizations like yours to rethink digital transformation in order to capture new opportunities in the next normal. We have lots of exciting items packed into the hour today, and we'll be covering emerging technology trends. We'll understand some thought leadership insights on digital transformation strategy for future enterprise, how to build cloud-centric digital infrastructure, and how to enable digital workspace and workforce. Also, how to shift to a hybrid business by design model, and finally, get guidance on building a resilient and agile future business. So William, with everything we've experienced in what has now been the last year, um, how are organizations in the region really coping with the COVID-19 pandemic? Okay, so before, before I answer that, maybe I just want to introduce you to that COVID uh, crisis to recovery framework that IDC come up with. Uh, on, the, on the start of the pandemic, that was early last year. So, I mean, IDC has been regularly doing uh, what we call a COVID wave study every fortnight, and then until end of last year, then we start to do it uh, every every month itself. So, in this framework, as you can see from here, uh, there is five stages. So, we use that to actually um, measure how companies are moving through these five stages uh, to to recovery. So in stage one, you can say that that is the onset of the impact of COVID. Um, companies um, at this stage here are basically dealing with that shock. Uh, their focus is pretty much on keeping the lights on, you know, business continuity. And then you know, moving to stage two itself, uh, companies are actually looking more on cost cutting, cost optimization. Okay, business are slowing down. You know, we are getting into that recessionary mode. And then over at stage three, Businesses started to think about business resiliency. Okay, they are looking into stabilizing their financial. Started to build business resilience, and in fact, uh, this year onward, you will started to hear a lot more about business resiliency as well as uh, digital resiliency going forward. And then, companies that is actually you know going into stage four, you know, and then stage five, they are looking into sort of targeted investment. Okay, so investment is not going to stop. 
Okay, what they are going to invest in is more on uh, digital uh, capabilities going forward. You know, building a sort of to prepare for future shock. Okay, and then over stage five, as what IDC terms it, is what we call the next normal. So enterprise over here that is fully transformed, we call them the future enterprise. Okay, they are they are a lot more ready for the new digital economy that we can see. So in that COVID waste survey that IDC have conducted, if you can see on the chart up there, uh, you can see that two-thirds of Asia-PAC organisations are already coming out from the recessionary dip. And then IDC have seen that you know, technology plays a big role for many of these companies getting out of the recession. So you can see that um, uh, I put numbers like you know, APEC numbers as well as ASEAN number. So you can see that ASEAN is not too far back behind the thing. So countries that we can see that is doing well uh, in the region include Singapore, Vietnam, Korea, and China especially. You know, they are the first to get hit, but they are first to recover. You know, we have seen that you know, China business has you know, recovered since June last year. Okay? And then with that, you know, that crisis itself, you can see that you know, there's challenges, of course, but then new opportunities also present themselves. And then organizations are prepared now you know, to look into new business operating model, capabilities, as well as changing their mindset. COVID have also underscored the importance of digital transformation. You know, we have been talking about digital transformation for, I think, a couple of years. But then, you know, some companies are really, you know, on the roll, but then many of them are still dragging their feet. But then with COVID, we see that, you know, that sort of accelerate, you know, that digital transformation momentum. Um, and what I can show you in the graph, you can see on the deep there, there is what we call flattening the curve. And technology, as I mentioned, plays a big role in flattening the curve. Yeah. They say uh, innovation is change. And uh, we throw around this term, the new normal, quite mm. frequently. What does it look like for an organization in this new normal? Uh, for a start itself, you know, things that, you know, the session that we have here, in pre-COVID time, we will be probably having it on a stage with live audience. And then and more and more so, I mean, I'm seeing my colleague a lot more on virtual session. I think this is what, you know, we mentioned just now, you mentioned that what we'll cover today, that hybrid business model. Okay, last year is just the start. We are getting used to. I think one of the common thing that, a common question I thought of mine is that, you know, will we get back to pre-COVID days? My, my sentiment is that we will not, okay? Hybrid work environment is going to be the new normal. Okay, that, that, that is one, just one of it. Almost what we have today here in Singapore, right? Uh, yes, but now we are still having a lot more virtual session compared to face-to-face. -face. In fact, we can't have face-to-face. -face. But I feel that you know, going forward, you are going to have people moving between these two delivery platforms or even people moving between location. Okay, because many, many offices, like, you know, at least for last year, they practice a team A, team B arrangement because government mandate, 50% of the workforce can only be in the office, so company have to deal with it. In fact, uh, HR policy have also need to change to accommodate that. But then this is all the process aspect. But when you look into moving it into this hybrid model, this is not a normal way of us working. Even though I don't see much impact on the productivity level, but then for the management aspect, for organization, it's going to be tough because you don't see your employees anymore, 
how do you manage them? How do you, I'm not saying manage to see whether are they working, but also manage their well-being going forward because the morale of the company is very important. And we have been talking a lot about customer experience, customer experience. In fact, a lot of companies invest a lot in customer experience on the frontline aspect to gain new, to gain or even retain uh, uh, existing customer. But more and more so, as we can see that, you know, at least the start of it last year, uh, there's a lot more focus on employee experience because we all know happy employee drive, you know, increase, also uh, so drive CX. So you, you need EX to drive CX. Employee experience, good. CX would be good. So, so. You're saying to thrive, to yep. thrive. We actually need organizations to focus on their employees. Yes so that they can drive their customer experience. Correct. And then ultimately that is the goal, like how to really focus and listen in to yes. what these customers are going to yes. be experiencing. And you, you will see that there's a lot more narrative of that, you know, about digital resiliency, employee experience surface a lot, you know, this year. Because last year is still a, a shocking time. Yes. You know, coming to this year, people started to normalize, you know, it's as the, the, the fourth stage of, of, of recovery. You will see that, you know, once you get to the shock, you started to recover and you started to normalize before you can perform again. Yeah. And of course, when, when you start working from home, right, and I think um, this is something a lot of technology companies have definitely jumped on as this whole move towards work from home, making sure that the employees experience in order to deliver those customer experiences and talking to them and, and even from a management level to talk with their staff, um, that's, that's put a heavy load on, on networks and so on. Definitely. And Endpoints. Definitely. If you if you look at it, you know, let's let's talk about let's say the setup of this employee at home. You know, in the office they have a lot more IT resources. So when they started to work from home, many of them struggle because either their home doesn't have the proper Wi-Fi uh, bandwidth, or they don't have the, the 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 device necessary. Okay. And then the next point is that you know when you start to have your work extended to this disparate location, security parameter just expands. So how does the IT manages this grow in mobile devices in the environment? So, so that becomes a, a key challenge. So let, let's don't talk about the well-being of these people. How do they cope by not, you know, because we humans are much more, uh, I would say, a herd type of, of, of animals. It's, we need to thrive in the community. Social we can't be we can't be alone. We can't be alone. So yeah. so how do you bring them closer despite their physical separation? So I think that is the thing that we hopefully we can address during this uh, fire chat session. Um, what do you see as the emerging trends, the big ones for this for this calendar year? Um, the emerging trends itself, um, if if you look at it is um, I think I mentioned that a lot. Digital first. IDC in January, we, we always, at the beginning of the year, we always like to predict the future. You know, it's called our Futurescape event. Uh, and of course, our prediction covers different technology area as well as different industry verticals. You know, I pull out eight predictions that I think, personally, is very relevant, you know, in, the, in light of the COVID uh, situation. Uh, digital first experience will prevail, you know. And what we see is that by, you know, I mentioned about an, uh, employee experience, and I mentioned that, you know, in our prediction, we are saying that 60% of enterprises in Asia Pac will start to digitalize their employee experience. 
as of now itself, most ex employee experience is dictated by the manager that they report to. Okay, even though we have, you know, uh, sort of software tools and things like that, but but there isn't that much interaction, especially, in, let's say you take myself as an analyst. We are we are operating in a very matrix system, but then, of course, we every one of us do have, uh, you know, a manager to report into. But going forward itself, as, especially when you don't get employee coming into the office, how are you able to see them or even manage, I would say, not just the work performance, but the well-being? You know, the relationship will be straight between the employer and the employees. And then HR need to come up with a new set of, you know, guidelines on handbook itself. But I think more so, in order to improve employee experience, you need technology. You need to invest in digital technology to, to bridge this physical gap that we are seeing. What are some of the strategies you've seen companies move towards and what's working? Before we come to that itself, maybe I can, I can talk more about, you know, um, where you want to be first. You know, we, we don't talk about how you want to do it. Let's, let's look at where you want it to be, okay? Because I, I talk about that recessionary curve getting into the future enterprise. So what does this future enterprise entails? You know, IDC, we have, um, we, we, we come out with this um, sort of um, six interlocking capabilities that an enterprise need to possess in order to become resilient, okay? Usually we talk about resiliency with agility. So, so I'll just use these two terms uh, loosely here. So if you can see again, you know, uh, the diagram that I actually show up here, um, right in the center, of course, we want to achieve um, business resiliency or we want to call it digital resiliency, which is business resiliency enabled by technology. There are six building sort of interlocking capabilities that you must build. First, we need cloud, okay? But more specifically, hybrid multi-cloud, okay? In order to improve the scalability of the infrastructure, okay? And also to avoid locking to a particular vendor because if you want resiliency, you cannot be locking into something that you can move away, okay? Second itself, because we lack of the face-to-face -face or a centralized way to communicate. We need some form of a conversational platform. You have seen chatbot already implemented by many uh, customer service uh, channel. But as of the stage now that I see about chatbots, they are not that smart. They are more like um, FAQ 2.0 environment. But in order to scale the reach, Okay, I do think that there must be sort of a, a conversational platform that is over there because you cannot afford to have one-on-one -on -one discussion onto this particular channel and then the other one is over there. You need to bring it all together so that you have a sort of a, a aggregated view of it. And then, um, as I mentioned here, is that you know devices. You know, we, we look at devices have grown. Number of devices have grown. Um, business data applications you will see that all these have been scattered virtually uh, everywhere. And then there need a convergence between the IT and the OT. And the platform has to be cloud because cloud will be the natural platform to bring this all together. You cannot allow silos of application or data to sit you know, in this without connecting to the world. Of course, when you do that, security will come to the mind. 
and then that is on the issue that we need to we need to address, and then uh, also self service, because they are not in the office. You cannot expect your IT staff to go to the every door. It's just not possible. So self service will grow in importance. In fact, we are already seeing self service uh, happening. You know, work desk. You send an email, but then it is still quite you know rudimentary, I would say. But then going forward itself, you need to be able to bring some of this intelligence into the self-service. That means that you know, it's like a IT chatbot that is going to help the staff. And then obviously, tele and digital presence, that's what we are doing now. This is going to be the new normal. Okay? We won't go back to live event 100%. Our LC is more of a hybrid mode. And then when you do that, uh, especially you know, when, when work, workforce, we call them digital workforce now because they are all connected digitally in a way. Definitely, they need to work together. You know, they need to collaborate. Automation becomes essential, not just communication. We need to have at least automate certain part of it because now there's so many of these platforms that we are using and then many conversations is all siloed. So in some way itself, they has to come together. It has to come together. And then finally itself, uh, I think I could not mention this enough, is when times are good, people never change. People will never change, they were just as per normal. So sometimes crisis is not that bad. It just gives us a wake-up call that you know we should change. If we don't change the next crisis when it hit us, it's going to be much many times much worse than this. So the crisis, and, and you can see that in all organizations around the world itself, change only started, or, or only possible, when there is a crisis. Okay? So I would say that this crisis brings about that urgency for them to change, which is why I say that you know, it underpins that DX. It, it brings forth the digital transformation, the, the resistance to it, even for cloud, the resistance to going into cloud. Because seriously, many of these resistance, even though as of now, top of the mind is still security, security, security. But then, it is more of a perception than, than the real thing. We all know that security breach all happens at human level. It's never the technology. Of course, you know, when you started to put everything in one place, definitely there is more risk. But then, you know, security, technology have advanced this much. The, the only thing I would say that uh, as of now, you will see many of these um, security um, systems or software itself, they are still quite siloed in a way. So, so I think that you know, the crisis, even though unfortunate, it does bring forth you know, that, that urgency to move. All organizations should have that you know, future enterprise uh, vision in mind and this six capability that you you need to lock into. I mean, these are very unique and unprecedented times. Um, it shouldn't really take us unprecedented times to make change, but there are very small, many small crises that organizations face um, regardless of a pandemic. Um, what are the strategies you think that organizations can apply okay. to I make think, themselves better? I think, I think you touch on it because you have the vision, but you don't know how then you know, you're, you're still talking about it. You, you can dream all you want. If you don't put it into action, nothing will happen. So I, 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 I may want to just focus on three things. So even though there are six interlocking things, I, I talked to you how this you need to get. 
But there's generally sort of um, three digital transformation strategies that organization can adopt, okay? Um, if you can see here, I mentioned about cloud many times, okay? We, we, we talk about cloud as if that cloud is just another IT form, but it is not. So I want to at least clarify this, that when we look at it, you know, cloud come in various shapes and sizes now. You know, you have what we normally know as public cloud, you know, basically it's shared tenancy resources, IT resources sitting outside your organization managed by a vendor. Then you have what we call a private cloud environment. And then you have companies that they still have their mainframe going on, they cannot, they cannot migrate. It's not easy to just migrate. So I want to see that, you know, if you look at this setup, it's what we call a hybrid cloud setup or hybrid IT. You have your on-premise that is non-cloud, and you have your private cloud that is more virtualized resource within, seated within your organization, managed by the organization, and you have resources that are sitting outside your organization, hosted private, public cloud infra. So when you look at this, first organization need to understand, you know, we need to build what we call a cloud-centric digital infra. Okay, if you can see the diagram, there are five co components to it, okay? But you have to understand that cloud-centric technology is more than just hardware, okay? So I will just talk through that, that the five components that build up this cloud-centric uh, uh, digital infra. First, software-defined everything, okay? We have been talking about software-defined, and why do we really need software-defined? For basic reason, because physical hardware, they can't be split or move anywhere you want it, or, or split evenly, or balance the resource itself. But when you software define as what in the virtualized world we know it as, we, we abstract a logical layer on top of the physical layer. So when you have that itself, you are able to enable sort of a, a more consistent operation across different users. Right? This is what the basis of how cloud market is formed. The next, you must recognize that in a cloud-centric uh, digital infra. There's this thing called heterogeneous computing because no longer we are using x86, you know, you, you are talking about GPU, FPGA, you know, all these things here. You are talking about a very distributed uh, infrastructure. They are getting towards more modularized and then we can bring it together in, in an optimized manner. The, the reason is that AI, AI has been a critical driver for AI, machine learning has been a critical driver for cloud computing because if not, how often do you need that much power? Okay, so data intensive application will exist or the workload will, will start to form. Of course, uh, applications now are also you know, moving into a more sort of heterogeneous uh, environment. Okay, the reason is that they wanted to compress this time to value. We no longer look at, you know, three, four years, you know, uh, return and things like that. We, everything that we do, we wanted to see, shorten the time to value. You know, projects that's run many years were bound to fail. Uh, of course, I mentioned about AI, then we have memory-driven uh, infrastructure. The next generation application will be running on memory-driven infra because they are faster and more efficient, especially many of the AI workloads that we can see because uh, we need more real-time orientation to the output that we can see. And then, of course, we talk about heterogeneous uh, environment or even the infra itself. We definitely need the orchestration platform to 
piece it all together. We are starting to see the trend that, you know, moving from the core to the edge. Okay? That there, are, there are things that, because latency issue, okay, even if you go with public cloud, not all their DCs is in-country. So there's bandwidth issue, there's network congestion and things like that. Latency for certain high transactional workload itself is like like ERP system, is, is going to be key. So as, as, as we advance over it, you know, we will start to move things to the edge. You know, you take just autonomous vehicle, they cannot have keep singing to the cloud. It's impossible. So you need to have computing right at the edge. And then that then this thing will start to communicate to that main server in the cloud itself. So so network is going to get more and more important going forward. And then finally itself, um, what we see is that maybe five, ten years ago, we thought about cloud 1.0. You only have basic storage uh, or, or even compute. And then now you can see that you know there is going to be a lot more customization that vendors are pushing out. And it's the same as same as many of the cloud infra that we deployment model that we see. There's a lot more flavor going forward that you can see. People are bringing out solution, solutions specific to certain industry vertical. And and as it's, it's the same as maybe 15, 20 years ago when companies are start talking about IT outsourcing, outsourcing their IT personnel away. Now in this case here, you are you are to some extent bringing some of your infra away from your management so that you can focus a lot more on the business. This is what I would say that you know one of the first strategy that you must look into, you know, trying to establish a cloud-centric infra. The second strategy that relates to the workforce, you know, I mentioned about this employee experience. So you see here is that in the future, at least we are already in the beginning of the future, employees are sort of unbound by physical space and even time, you can see. Because, you know, let's say for example, if I need to, if I need to fly to US, there's a time zone difference. You know, but now, you know, in this digital world, we are unbound by the distance as well as time. I have a lot more meetings last year than I have pre-COVID. Because physical location, sometimes I need to travel and things like that. Of course, you lose that, that the face-to-face -face, uh, thing because our current system doesn't allow us to have that virtual intimacy. I'll, I'll, put, it, I'll put it this way. If you look at some of the stats that I, I put up over there, you know, we are seeing that you know, the, the different work mode that you can see. You can see the percentage over there. You know, this is captured from our COVID wave survey that we conduct every fortnight last year. And, and, and we're, we're doing that, we're still doing that every month uh, going forward this year. You're seeing a more distributed workforce. This is going to be the fact of life. And will we go back to pre-pandemic when this thing, when the vaccine is, when we have mass vaccination? I don't think so. I, won't, I don't think that we will go back to that pre-COVID stage. If let's say, for example, this COVID impact is just maybe a few months, just like, you know, if anyone can remember the SARS time, it was like, you know, it happens in just a couple of months and it's off, nothing changes. We still get back to normal. But this is different. We have been in it for a year or even some countries more. Okay, and, and the thing is that this is a global issue. So it will change. It will change. We will learn to work anywhere and everywhere. And then you will start to see a lot more technology-led uh, projects going forward uh, that is focused a lot more on to this particular area. How do you enable the workforce 
to be able to work anywhere and everywhere. Uh, IDC also have a prediction by end of this year itself. You have one quarter of an uh, organization started to leverage on employee productivity software going forward because they used to don't need it because you have a manager to manage it. You know, you can see everyone, but going forward, people are going to, going to work from home. I can show you another chart that, that you can see because, you know, don't take my word for it. You know, we, we do the survey again, pre-COVID, you know, we asked the proportion, you know, you are having a work from home arrangement. And during COVID, we found that the percentage rise by almost double. This is, this is the AP result. You know, if you look at, if you look at worldwide result, it's even more. Okay, because, you know, this way you do look at AP. AP tends to, seems to manage the pandemic a lot better than the, the, the Europe or the US itself. So we see a double increase in the thing. And then we also ask them, ask this company themselves, after this thing is over, you know, how much you know, of you will have this arrangement? And you can see that it dropped, it, it do, of course it drops back. You, know, you cannot sustain that number of workforce to work from home. It does drop back, but it will not drop back to the previous. It dropped back by about 30, 30, 40% or so. So you can see from here is that when, when the workforce started to get used to this mode of working, you have to empower them to work in this way more efficiently. Okay, and you must think of a way to, to, to bridge them together. What we do in the last year itself is pretty much quite ad hoc, I would say. You know, some companies are more, are better. You know, uh, I want to cite an example of uh, Dropbox. Okay, what they do is that they explicitly structured their organization in the way so that uh, they can, most of, most of the activity can be done off-site and only collaborative activity will need to be done on thing. So IDC's case, I would say that, you know, we are more, you know, we, we, we learn as we go. We learn as we go. We, we try to manage in, in a way, you know. Uh, as an analyst itself, our job tends to, we, we, are, we are mobile from the very start. Pre-COVID, pre we are already mobile. So impact on us is, on impact on, on, on analysts is not that much, but then there are, Let's say we take our IT support, our, our admin people, or, or people who, who, who are more desk bound or, or even you know, need more interaction. It's going to be tough moving away from the office. You know, your VPN doesn't really work that well and things like that. And especially when you have very different network bandwidth going around. We have done video conference call and things like that. And we have like, you know, very sporadic connection with some people. You know, and then you, you found that that interrupt the whole entire session. I think Cisco was very good at this, by the way. I thought mm -hmm. um, so too. We were able within days to really mm -hmm. go fully virtual. I think a lot of employees here were remote already as it was, and we were set up to, because to that, work remote. That, That's from the tech industry, correct. right? It's our customers. Yes, and, and I, I would say that Cisco, Cisco, you know, this is your business. You, you already prepared for this type of situation because you already envisioned that in a way. You talk about future of work way before COVID happened. Okay? And you didn't predict COVID. Yeah, you didn't predict COVID, but you predict that this is how the workforce is going to be like in the future. Of course, not everyone buys it in a way. They say, we are happy this way, which is why I say it's unfortunate for COVID, but it does push people along and move them into a better way of working. That's what I, I see.
Well, certainly um, we feel productivity has increased mm -hmm. significantly, um, but I think it doesn't remove the social aspect of human beings yeah. wanting um, to be together. Right? Productivity increases because, you know, if, if once you set up your workspace and you, you really get used to working this way, you save a lot of commuting time. Just that itself, a day you save two hours. So your productivity have to increase. Of course, as on start, what we see is that, you know, it's not so easy to work from home. Your kids, you know, they'll say, mommy, mommy, you know, can you help me with this? Because once you are at home, your kid thinks you are not working. <laughs> when you're in the office, you know, you are at least, you know, in that workspace. So, so initially, obviously, there, there is a dip. But then as people get used to it, they started to say, this is my working hour. I stay here, you know, just treat it that I'm not here, you know. But, but once you do that, you found that your commuting time is, is, is shorter. You know, you, you reduce a lot on it. You see? And you can meet people a lot more faster because you can see, you started to use online chat. Say, oh, are, are you free for a quick chat? Last time we got to go and walk over and, and things like that. So, so all these things, we started to change. But then, you know, when we do that, of course, with every change, it brings out other challenges with it itself. You know, because you have a lot more unmanaged conversation happening elsewhere. You see? So how do you bring them all together? Yeah. I think that, that, that is what we need to do, you know, at least you know, this year itself, focusing on. You talked about resilience. Mm. You talked about security, cloud, mm. agility. You also talked about hybrid intelligence using data intelligently and bringing everything together mm. in a simple and easy manner. This is effectively the Cisco Meraki mission. Mm. I so, knew you were going to ask that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm interested to know uh, from an IDC perspective, your perspective, mm. um, how you feel Cisco Meraki is perceived in the industry um, and or how we could play our part. Okay. so. You know, I, I mentioned about this increase in device that you are actually uh, seeing. You know, what, what I failed to mention is that, you know, when I say device, it's not just a mobile phone or the laptop that you are seeing, but there are also sort of single-purpose dedicated, you know, okay, IoT devices, you know, or even machines that is, you know, in the industry. Things like the point-of-sales machine that is in the retail, in the manufacturing, you have that, you know, uh, control panels and... and all these things itself, they, 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 they need a unified thing to bring it all together. But, you know, we, if you are in the equipment world, you will see that many of these systems are actually proprietary in the thing. And managing it is, you've got to depend on that respective vendor to, to, to do so. so. So, but that apart itself, if you look at, this increase in devices, you know, IDC, I think we've we done this, um, what we call datascape thing, and we see the growth in, 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 in data mm -hmm. going forward itself. When I see the graph, I was like, wow, you know, what, what the amount of data that we generate this year is already of many folds compared to the data we generate for the past 10 years. So you can see that that data have to go somewhere. They are not just generate and then store here because then why do you want to store the data if you're not going to make use of it? So this data will flow. So when the data flow itself, you will definitely put a strain on the network. You know, I mentioned about latency issue. 
the thing is that this is going to be a vicious cycle. More device, more data, more data, you need more bandwidth and, and you need faster. So, so you put, um, put a lot of strain. So I think that Cisco's strength here is actually uh, network connectivity. You know, we talk about SDN, SD-WAN. I think that that plays up to Cisco's strength, you know, enabling the connectivity between device to the cloud. But, you know, once you can connect them, the story doesn't end there. You actually need to manage this device as well as the network. Okay, I think that to have one management system to rule them all, I don't think is quite realistic because, you know, of course, every vendors of their equipment, they would like to do so. But I don't think that, you know, uh, I, I don't think that Cisco wanted to, to, to imagine that that would be the future because it's not possible. So what, what I see Meraki platform is uh, pretty much more of a unified you know, endpoint management uh, platform itself, cloud-based. And it, it supports multiple device OS type. I think that is key. Of course, if you have one platform that is by Android and then you only do Android, it won't fly. And then when we're looking at it, it's not just mobile phone, it's include, you know, maybe Windows, Chrome OS, Mac OS. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, that, that cross-platform, you know, is important. I think that put, you know, uh, Meraki a check in a box on, on there. And having the network game in your pocket and then having this this thing here, I, I believe that, you know, this, this cloud-based platform are able to reach out to a, a bigger number of uh, uh, devices from the enterprise. And I couldn't mention enough, security is always on the top of the mind. So you, you're not just about connecting them, managing them, but then you have to allow access control. And the network access control uh, portion that you know that Cisco is, is doing with your Meraki is able to allow enterprise to deploy at scale. I think that is key because when we look at you know resiliency, agility, we always talk about going you know fast to scale. We, we need to we need to scale it fast. You know we, we cannot we cannot allow that you know we take one year to to, to, to scale to the level. And this is that is one of the the, the beauty about cloud. Itself. People go with cloud and they can say most use case with cloud is all about scaling, you know, fast, you know, of their existing app. Of course, we are seeing more, more app modernization that is happening. But, but then, you know, one, most of the, the ones used to, use case is actually scalability. That means that you, you wanted to scale your existing application because buying a new physical asset, it takes longer than provisioning a cloud uh, resource. So, so I think that scales is important uh, going forward. So I do think that um, Cisco do have a few check in the box here uh, for that. And of course, with Cisco's um, uh, global channel network and your, and your sales itself, I think you can reach a broader range of either the geographies, the industry, or the market segment. I think we, with all technology, we have to get to a tipping point in order for it to... To, to, to show its value. Okay, I think that 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 is where I think uh, Meraki is uh, positioned. Well, I, I couldn't actually agree with you more. I, I also want to round it back to what you said earlier on in the conversation around employee experience mm. resulting in customer experience and the manageability and ease of use of the Meraki platform really allows them to focus on the customer experience, mm. right? So having this ability to actually embed artificial intelligence, embed APIs onto mm. the platform, allowing that to scale, that um, really resonated yes. um, with me today, William. 
I did say that we were going to have some uh, questions uh, from the audience, and there is actually one that came in that I thought I'd, I'd feed right here. Um, do you, you, you kind of answered it before. Do we actually lean in to keeping this remote workforce as it is now? Um, do we anticipate that it will never change and come back to the, new, to the old normal? I, I'm not saying that it will never change. I, if, you, if you see one of the charts that I put forth to you, the percentage of work from home arrangement, you know, it doubled during the COVID time. That's for Asia Pac. You know, if you look at worldwide, it actually uh, sort of tripled in a way. And then, you know, once this thing is over, obviously we cannot sustain that amount of workforce working remotely because that will put a lot of strain on the on the management aspect. But we do see that it will come back down but will never be pre-COVID time because, you know, habits are formed. You know, we learn, we are not talking about a few months pandemic. We are talking about a pandemic that, you know, as what I see, I think this year, even though we are seeing vaccine rolling out uh, across, you know, many, many countries itself, at least, you know, if you're looking at Singapore, I think at least we are until end of the year before we can all be vaccinated countrywide. Then we look at other countries, Malaysia, for example, our near neighbour, I think it will take even longer. So I don't think that this thing is going to be over this year. You know, I, I heard the news, um, one of the Singapore uh, minister, uh, Lawrence Wong, was saying, he was, he was saying that, oh, prepare for four to five years four to five years' time. Now, of course, I think that they are just being overly cautious here, but I don't think that it's a one-year thing. I don't think that it will be over end of this year. At least, I think it's a two to three years, at least minimum two years. Because this year, we started to normalise, okay? And next year, we have started to have proper processes and, and technology or tools in place. You know, and at that, form, at that point, it's already the new normal, the new working normal. When you already invest the thing, I don't think the company will... Because they cannot delay the investment. They have to invest this year. So when they invest this year, getting to next year, this is going to be the way that they work. And when they have this way that they work, they will start to realise, actually, we are saving a lot more money than what we formerly are doing. And then that will take root in the company. That's why I say. The crisis, however unfortunate, it spur the change. And after the change, people realise we are better off after changing. But of course, you can convince them all you want. Without the pandemic, you know, people will not take the step because they feel that they are okay as of now. I think that, that, that is the thing that uh, I, can, I, can just, I can share. It certainly feels like um, 2021 is the year of transition. Yes. Um, yes. So thank you so much for your insights. I, um, you know, it's this from a final question, basically, is this is this uh, is there any final advice you can give the audience here? Um, what would it be? Usually, with with every chat and things like that, I try to prepare something so that if you if you cannot follow what I say just now, at least you have you know three things in mind you can think. So think of the three I. Okay, first I is interconnectivity because I can't emphasize a lot that network aspect of it uh, because your infrastructure is going to be distributed across. You know, you need secure connectivity across them, okay? Global interconnectivity is important because 
in the physical world, obviously your business is constrained by the physical reach you can have. But when you go into digital business, nothing is constraining you. You already move past the physical boundary of it. So you must think global. And with global, you need to look for global connectivity. You know, vendors with capability to bring global connectivity into your business. That is number one. Second eye, interoperability. Okay? This is the part that you know, I mentioned. You, know, you have applications sitting here, data sitting there, uh, across more than one cloud. You know, hybrid multi-cloud is the norm of enterprise, but not by choice. They choose it is because as they develop you know, what they need, they, they found that only this provider can give you, they go with this provider. And then when they look for another thing, they found another provider give that, they go with it. They, this consideration of interoperability is sort of a day two consideration. It's like, once I run it, I found that, oh, it's so difficult to manage. Should I get back into one single, one single provider? The, the fact is that once you are like that, <laughs> you, you can't go back in a way. So you must think about, okay, so if I can't go back, then how do I bring interoperability? So you, you'll see that a lot of public cloud vendors are start talking about pushing open source and things like that. But it is, it is not in their favour because they want to lock in. Any business want to lock in your customers so you can reach more. But they feel that customers themselves are actually pushing. I, I don't want lock in. We talk about resiliency, agility. Lock in is never good. So we are starting to see a lot more diverse, di di uh, more diversity that we can see here. Uh, that said, you should look for vendors that have that, you know, to tap on the bigger pool of ecosystem, the cloud ecosystem player. So you got to look for vendors that are able to provide the diversity, you know, in terms of product and service that can help you to, to achieve interoperability. And finally, the third eye, that will be integration. Okay, you bring it all together to run it more efficiently. You need to optimize, optimize your infra, optimize your ROI. Okay, you need you need integrated workload management and governance across this distributed uh, heterogeneous infra. So with that itself, I think that you know that's like you know three three advice. Just remember the three I. William, in your prediction slide you mentioned technical parity. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Oh, thanks, thanks for asking that. So just now I didn't spend too much time talking about the predictions, but you know, I think technical parity is something that I wanted to bring up. Uh, it might not be a term that many people you know, uh, get uh, used to. So the prediction statement is say, like by 2023, 55% of say, more than half of large organization will commit to providing technical parity to a workforce that is hybrid by design rather than by circumstances. I mentioned here is that, you know, initially it is out of no choice we are doing it in a hybrid manner, but a few years down the road, this will be a by choice. The organization will be by choice and that, that will be permanent. So Technical parity, IDC, you know, the, we define technical parity is that the requirement for all workers to have secure access to all resources. And the most important is that this, across different devices, across different locations, they must be able to have a consistent experience and context, you know, on this device. And then, you know, if we have that, you know, intelligent digital space uh, vision, you know, connecting all these hybrid workers, this is essential. 
I mentioned previously also, you know, you cannot have things, conversation in silos and things like that. So you need to bring it all together in a single platform, you know, to have, to have achieve real-time collaboration as if that, that, that workforce is just beside you, you know. That virtual, the virtual separation that we used to feel now should not exist. And then that is what I meant by this technical parity. And we should probably see that probably end of uh, 2020. That is where, you know, the ministry. And um, typically, the larger organisation will be the one that is, you know, going to embrace this more. So we're almost actually up for the hour, William. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, want to move on quickly to some of the questions that have come in sure. um, from, the, from the audience here today. So first up, here's a question from Heidi. What do you see the most imperative and immediate first step uh, for companies with their digital transformation now? How do we prioritize the huge array of opportunity to execute quickly and effectively? Well, um, I talk about what the vision should be, and I talk about you know a few steps that 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 you have. The the, the first step that all organizations should have, I believe, is the mindset. I believe mindset is very key. Okay, no matter how good your technology is, if your people is not going to embrace it. Is, is, is of no use. So I think the first thing is that you need to do that cultural change within the organization, change the mindset, you know, of the workforce. Of, of course, we, you know, last year itself, people have no choice but to do it. But many, many have not really embraced it itself. I think that communication is key. You know, technology aside, we need technology, but technology is always the easy part. The, the people's mindset is always the hardest part to change. You know, you can, you can change process easily, you can buy technology easily, but if the people mindset is not changed, they will not, they will not adhere to the process, they will not use the technology. And then you will be you know, wasting, wasting your money. You know, I, I still remember, because I was in the IT field for like more than 15 years, you know, I, I used to work with you know, manufacturing companies and ERP was like the big, thing, you know, all the management like that, the ERP system. They buy the ERP system and can, I can tell you more than half of ERP implementation fail because they can force the process, they can buy the technology, but the people themselves are not embracing it, it fails. Of course, people realise it as a matter of fact after that and people started to change the mindset and now you can see that most ERP implementation actually works better. Not because the software gets better, but because the people starting to buy into it. It's the same as you know when we talk about uh, employee productivity management tools. It's, it's going to be the same because because they have to use it and they have to view it as it's not a way for me to input for the management to see. They have to see that this thing really brings value to their work. So so I think that mindset is the key. Thank you again, William, Thank um, you. for those insights. It was, it was really, really interesting to have this conversation with you today. So now that you have learned the importance of digital workplace and hybrid work style, these are the areas of the core of business transformation. And so your business and your IT team can deliver greater value by adopting a future-ready business that enables leaner operations, speed to scale, and digital at scale for continued success in the digital economy. We at Meraki, 
can help you reach your goals with powerful IT and networking solutions, helping you, your team, and your business to thrive and become truly agile and secure like we talked about. So ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank William again uh, for enlightening us on the IDC IT predictions as well as future of work. William, a last few words that you might want to say before we end our live stream? Um, just remember the three I. What's the three I? Interconnectivity, integration, as well as inter interoperability. Okay. So with that, uh, keep your questions coming. You know, we we enjoy your questions. You know, we enjoy the session too. Thank you. Thank you. Wow! So much packed into that talk. Thank you so much to Dr. William Lee and to Nicola for hosting that presentation. I hope that you all found this extremely valuable, as I did as I listened to that. There was really some great summary, I think, of what we've been through and just really reflecting on that and the changes it's brought to our world. Of course, the technology has been around to help us deal with this for quite some time, but we as humans, we've had to adapt to what that looks like and actually get used to it. And there's a journey ahead of us that we've got to go through, I think, to really learn to use the technology to our advantage, but also in a way that works for us as humans. Fantastic content, and uh, I really hope you enjoyed that session. Time to wrap things up now. Thank you again for tuning in. I hope you are a subscriber, and if you're not, please take this opportunity to hit the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. We bring these episodes to you every two weeks, and very happy to do so because uh, we really just enjoy sharing what we do as technologists at Cisco Meraki. We love what we do here. Uh, we also love giving some value back to our community. And that's what this is all about. If you would like to be a participant on our show, on the Meraki Unbox podcast, then please do reach out to me. You can find me on Twitter at Meraki Simon. Uh, it's a great way to just ping me quickly with an idea you'd like to uh, see us do a recording of, or if you'd even like to participate yourself. So that's it for this week. Thank you so much again for tuning in and we will be back again in a couple of weeks. See you then and bye for now.